Good morning, church. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Just turn me down just a little bit. Amen. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, let me see your hands. Not, not like this. I know, I know you're tired. I know you're sleepy. But this is the day the Lord has made. Miguel, wow. Amen. Excuse me. Let me give, give this man a hug. Good to see you in church this morning. Can you stand with me? I want, if you're able to, only if you're able to stand with me, I want to pray. I want to commend this time to the Lord. I know we prayed already, uh, but I, I, I love to pray. And I, and I love to pray because I know we serve a risen Savior. Amen? Bow your heads with me, please. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for service up to this point. We thank you for meeting with us here this morning in a very tangible way. We thank you for touching our hearts through worship. We thank you for the realities, the sensitivities, the instruction. We thank you for the understanding. We thank you for all of those things that you've been working out in our hearts so far today in this service. But it's time now, Lord God. It's not time for me. It's time for you. We pray, Father God, for ears to hear, Father, and a heart to understand what your will is for our lives. Father, speak to us through your word. Speak life into us. Speak life into our circumstances. Father, some of us are really, really, really struggling through some things. Lord, and I, and, and I sense there may be some marital issues here among us. There are some physical issues as well. We know that. Father, there are a number of people that we, we are constantly praying for in that regard. There are a lot of needs represented here this morning, Father, that actually demand your undivided attention, if I could put it that way. Father, we need you in our lives. Please reach into us now and help us, Father, to yield ourselves to you. Give me a heart of flesh this morning, Father, to hear your word and to apply it to my life. We thank you so much for this time and these things we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, everybody say one more time. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, so the, the theme that I have for you this morning is still um, along the lines of the series that I opened up a couple weeks ago. Um, this, it has to do with worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. How many, how, how many know exactly what that looks like? Worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. It's not about perfection because we cannot be perfect this side of heaven. It's about His grace affording us the opportunity to surrender our lives to Him. That's true worship. It's not about religion. Last week we talked about some of those things. And just a brief recap, um, true worship is to be actually free from the influence of religion. If you will, look up on your screen. Um, true worship has to do with an intimate and personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, it has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with devoting ourselves to our Maker. Devote, devoting ourselves to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many know Jesus in that personal, intimate way this morning? Come on, let me see your hands. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Nobody's looking around. Worship has to do with committing our, our, our lives to Him, devoting ourselves to Him, but actually pattering, pattering our lives after the truth of the Word of God. The child of God, the Christian, that's devoted 
to serving the Lord in spirit and in truth understands the important truth, the fundamental truth that's involved in the application of the Word of God in our daily lives. Amen. I mean, can we truly be Christians this side of heaven without the application of God's Word? The answer is that we cannot. Today, as I said already, we're going to continue with this theme of worshiping the Lord in spirit and the truth. But we're going to kind of do this in a different way. Because today we're going to talk about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As was mentioned earlier, please do your due diligence with regard to this card. There are a lot of people in my life, even though my family is back, back east in Philadelphia... I've met a lot of people here, and i got one person in mind um, uh, that I want to give this, this to. He's the, um, the, I don't know, the clerk, I guess you would call him, over at Metro Point Apartments where I live in the office, a gentleman by the name of Daniel. My wife and I sat down with him about nearly two months ago now, and we just basically talked to him about why it is we are here, because he was wondering, well, why are you here? As if it was a bad decision transitioning from Philadelphia here, right? And when we talk to him about a faith in Jesus and following his will for our lives, he cried in our presence. And he doesn't know Jesus, but he cried because he, that impacted his life. So this is going to be for him, and my hope and my prayer is that he would accept it and that he would show up here next Sunday. So, I want to talk about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many love Jesus? Let me see your hands. Do this. Do one of these things. Look, I'm not looking around. I know, I know some of us have issues with raising our hands with others. Are, others are looking around. Listen, this, this is a glorious season. This is a glorious season. It's a glorious day. Today, we get to talk about Jesus Christ. I, I know we do that every Sunday, right? But today, there's a special umph or a special emphasis on the service because our Christ is no, our, our Lord and Savior, not only was He born, not only did He die, not only was He buried, but He rose again. And today we are a people who serve a, amen, this, 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 this side of, over here is, a, is in sync. You guys are a little asleep over here. We actually serve a risen Lord and Savior. And, and that does is that you? Amen. So the title that I have for you this morning is, How Great Thou Art. How Great Thou Art. Think about the song. And it's the reason why I titled it, How Great Thou Art. It's one of my favorite songs. Think about the point of the song. Think about the, the elevation. Think about the worship. And I know that we don't generally take time to, to, to uh, explain titles, but I want to because it's significant to me. Because once upon a time, my life was dangling over the pit of hell. So was yours. So was yours. But I lived a unique life back east. When I think in terms of what Jesus Christ has done for me, I'm always in awe of Him because of that. And when was the last time you immersed yourself in the thought concerning the greatness of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? 
Do you know why you came? When was the last time you, you've answered that question in your heart and in your mind? Why is it that Jesus Christ had to come the way that he did? Why did he come? We need to know why he came. But not the way the world perceives it. Not the way the world acknowledges this season. Quite frankly, I, I want nothing to do with how the world celebrates this season. Because it's far from the bib biblical truth. The world doesn't know Jesus Christ. Here's a quote for you. Many will sing, read, and hear about how the baby born in Bethlehem was to be a great king, but few will understand its true significance or the scope of what this truly means. So that gives us an assignment right there. Because you and I, as children of God, we know exactly what this season represents. And how many of us have people in our lives that do not know why this season is what it's actually about? How many of you know somebody like that? I think we all know somebody who doesn't know why the season is so important to somebody like you and I. What are your thoughts about who Jesus Christ is and about what he actually came to accomplish? Turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be reading this morning from verses 1 through 14. When you have it, say amen, please. Give you a few more moments. I hear the pages. Luke 2, 1 through 14. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. All right. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Thank you, Jesus. This is, I'm not sure if I stopped short of verse 14, 
Not sure I made, uh, did I? Okay, did I read to verse 14? All right, cool, amen. So this is the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want to I pause for a moment. I want to talk about this story just a little bit. And then we're going to transition to Luke chapter 1, where we're actually going to take the time to talk about who this Jesus Christ actually really is today. I say is because he's still alive. But we're going to talk about who he actually was and why he actually showed up in the first place so long ago, this side of heaven. In this particular passage, we learn that Caius Octavius, also known as Caesar Augustus, he proclaimed a decree for all the world, his empire that is, to be registered. And everybody had to scurry and go back to their hometowns, whatever it is that looked like. Uh, can, can you imagine what that would look like today if we all had to? Man, if I had to go back east to Philadelphia, Lord have mercy, and leave the comforts of this wonderful town, no way, it's not happening. They're going to have to put me in jail. But listen, but can you imagine everybody was rising up and everybody had to take a journey. Everybody had to take a trip because of this decree. Everybody had to register. There was a plan or there was a plot by the enemy, but there was also the will of God that was actually unfolding in the lives of these people. And thank God that it actually happened the way that it did. We also learned in this passage that Joseph and Mary, they were traveling to Bethlehem in order to register themselves. Can you imagine the difficulty she was experiencing? I mean, she was, preg- she was pregnant. I would imagine she was probably seven months when she took off of Bethlehem, maybe eight months, maybe a little later in the process. But the the passage actually tells us that she gave birth to Jesus Christ. She gave birth to the Son of God. Amen, somebody. She gave birth to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in a manger, according to the story, because there was no room for them in the inn. In fact, can you imagine knocking on the doors? There was a Hollywood film that I saw not too long ago depicting this particular passage. And it was wonderfully, wonderfully done, I think, in my estimation. And Joseph was running around town knocking on all the doors. Most people did not answer the door. Those that did simply replied, I have no room. And in fact, the movie that I saw depicted a storm that was actually taking place. So it was, it was amazing how... This must have been, I would imagine. This passage also talks to us about the angelic announcement to the shepherds. Can you imagine they're minding their own business and all of a sudden the angel Gabriel manifests himself before them and he, de- he declares to them these good tidings of great joy. That today in the city of David, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would be born. Can you imagine Gabriel was standing alone at one point, and then all of a sudden, according to the passage that we read, an angelic host manifested themselves from the spirit realm into this natural realm. Can you imagine the light? Can you imagine the glory? Can you imagine what was actually taking place there? In that valley, in that prairie, whatever it came, wherever it actually took place. What was the reason for this celebration? The birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The birth of a special child. Not just any ordinary child, but a special child. How many of you remember how you felt when your first child was born? 
You remember how your first child was born? I remember how I felt when my first child was born. I was 17 years old. I was running the streets of North Philadelphia. My girlfriend at the time got pregnant. And I was young and dumb, right? But I still had sense to appreciate the miracle of birth. So much so that I wept. I mean, I had all sorts of feelings and emotions that I was experiencing that day. Even though I was as young as I was. And that was just my child, my son, my firstborn. I remember how I felt when my granddaughters were born. I have five of them. I mean, what a delight it is when we celebrate the birth of our children. But can you imagine... Can you imagine the scene that's taking place right here? How these shepherds must have felt? Can you imagine literally beholding an angelic host? I mean, there's just no way I'm going to deny, deny the validity or the, the, the message that I'm hearing. Can you imagine? How would you feel? Put yourself in those shoes. Angels declaring that Jesus Christ, that God Himself, because that's what the Bible teaches us. Isn't that so? That this was a special child that required a heavenly choir. Can you imagine, Joey? Huh? Whew. A heavenly choir. But let's consider. Turn, your, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to take a look at Mary and the visitation that, re, that she received from the angel Gabriel concerning this special child. We need to understand who Jesus was. Because oftentimes when we lose sight of that, if we learned it, or we've never learned the importance concerning Jesus Christ, then we'll never be able to appreciate a season like the one that's before us right now. I mean, this is an amazing season. Now, don't get me wrong. For me, every single day is the same. Because I treat every day with the same special value. Every day in this calendar year is special to me because I know that my Savior lives. Not just this season, but every single day. But think in terms of the importance of understanding who Jesus Christ was and what He actually came to accomplish. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Tracy, can you imagine that? Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb. I pause for effect because these are, this is, these are absolute terms that the angel is using. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no 
and with absolute certainty, this child was indeed special. And think of the following points um, and allow them to enhance your perspective about how special Jesus was and how special he ought to be in our hearts and minds today. Point number one, just simply, his name is Jesus. So we have in this text, Gabriel visits Mary and he makes a declaration concerning this child in verse 31. Look at verse 31. It says, and you shall call his name Jesus. No options, no traditional name, no alternatives. The declaration, his name is Jesus. This is what you will call him. Because it's a special name. Because it's a name assigned to an individual, to God, to the God-man, who came with a particular mission for mankind. We're going to get into that in a few moments. But let's consider this name. Jesus is used 979 times in the New Testament, depending on the version that you have. 979 times. In the Greek, the name is Iesus. In the Hebrew is Yehoshua. It means Jehovah is salvation. And this name is so important because it points to a major act by God upon the world stage. Who can guess what that act would be? One word, redemption. The redemption of mankind. The Bible actually clearly uh, presents to me, teaches me that in eternity past, and that is something that you and I, at least that's something that I cannot wrap my mind around. The fact that in the Bible it teaches us that in eternity past, God came up with a plan that one day he would die for the sins of mankind. Imagine that. That's what I learned in Book of Romans, book of Hebrews, etc. Books like that. Redemption. Essentially, Jesus Christ was saying, I am going to settle the debt. I am going to pay the price. I am going to purchase you to myself. I am going to provide the ultimate means of salvation for mankind. That was the significance wrapped around the name that is above all names. The name of Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. Just think of the mission that Jesus Christ had in his mind. That sort of, it should sort of give us an understanding as to what was transpiring during that brief conversation with the angel Gabriel and Mary on that one glorious day. You will give birth to a special child. Matthew 26, 28 puts it this way. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That's why the name Jesus is so important. Because this Jesus came to die, shed his blood for the sins of all of mankind. For what purpose? Just simply so that we may have forgiveness. Where would you and I be today without Jesus Christ in our lives? Where would you be? Ask yourself that. Get your motor running this morning. It'll help keep you awake. Right? But think in terms of where would you be today without Jesus Christ? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. You don't have to look these up. I'll read them to you. If you're taking notes, just write them down. 
For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the mission. To lift from you and I the wrath of God. The Bible says that it was... That, that, that the wrath of God at one point was operating in and upon our lives. Just think in terms of the people in your life that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They are yet in their sins. The wrath of God is upon them. The Bible says evil pursues sinners. But thank be to God that today we know Jesus Hebrews 9.15 puts it this way. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So I submit to you this morning that the birth of this child, the birth of Jesus Christ, marked the beginning of the greatest era for mankind in history. Did you hear that? I, I know with the troubles that we're dealing with today, this side of heaven, there's some difficulties that we're going through with all the regulations, especially here in California. Lord, have mercy. In that sense, send me back east because we don't have the regulations back east that you guys have here in California. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, i got to submit a, or apply for a permit just to replace a window in my house. Consider that. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. we got all sorts of troubles this side of heaven, right? But never lose sight of the fact that you and I are alive during the greatest era of mankind's history. Think of that. Don't take that for granted. Do not allow the difficulties that you, that you are dealing with to sort of circumvent or undermine the reality of Jesus Christ in your life today. All the prophets in the Old Testament who were given the honor by the Holy Spirit to declare the wonderful news that one day the Christ child will come. They all wanted to be a part of their season. Like, Lord, transplant me from here to there. I want to see with my own eyes. They did not, but they received it by faith. This is the book of Hebrews. He talks about some of these things. They wanted to be a part of what you and I have the privilege to be a part of today. It's a glorious season. Christ, our Savior, alive and well. These are things that we should think about when we come into this place. Point number two, look at verse 32a. The first portion of verse 32. He will be great. It's a description about Jesus Christ. I'm not going to try to invent a wheel here this morning. I see wonderful principles right here in this passage that we can derive meaning from. His name is Jesus. God bless you. His name is Jesus, which is amazingly important. But this passage actually says that he's going to be great. I mean, Jesus Christ was able to do things that no one before him and no one after has been able to do or accomplish. He said some things that, that caused them to pull their hairs out. Can you imagine Jesus Christ at the age of 12 years old 
was standing and debating with the publicans, with the lawyers of his time, with the religious folk of his day in the temple, and he left them scratching their head. Who is this child? He will be great, is the point. It refers to his wisdom and his power. Consider the first aspect of that. His wisdom. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, since you have your finger close, you can follow along. Luke 2, verse 40, it says, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And the favor of God was upon him. In John 7, verses 45 through 46, it reads, The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why didn't you bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. Can you imagine? Their job, their assignment was to haul Jesus Christ into the courts. They wanted to actually kill him before his time. They tried hundreds of times, I would imagine. Not just the amount of times that we are able to discover in the passages of the gospel. They tried lots of times to apprehend Jesus Christ because they hated him. He was threatening them in more ways than one. And so this one particular situation, John 7, the, the job of the officers was to bring Jesus Christ before the priests. Why didn't you bring him? They came empty-handed. <laughs> Listen, Jack, no one's ever spoken like him before. I mean, have you heard him? Have you taken the time to even listen to him? Jesus Christ had a wisdom like none other. I mean, can you imagine? We know that Solomon was a wise man, but he, he didn't even compare, doesn't come close to the wisdom that was coming out of the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He shall be great is the point. Think in terms of his power. Matthew thirteen fifty four, And coming into his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? In John 21, verse 25, the Bible reads, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did, where everyone, were every one of them to be written in detail. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Can you imagine? He shall be great. He shall be great. Jesus Christ did things that no one before him was able to do. There were some miracles spoken of in the Old Testament. The parting of the Red Sea, the River Jordan multiple times, the ten plagues, the cloud by, the, 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 the cloud by day, the fire by night. I mean, extraordinary things took place in the Old Testament. How about Elijah, huh? The fire from heaven consuming the altar, the sacrifice, and even licked up the water that was on the dirt. Glorious things, but nothing compares to what your Jesus and mine was actually able to perform. While he was validating himself in the eyes of mankind. And yet we still chose to crucify him. That's right. We still chose to crucify him. Make no mistake about it. If you and I were alive back then, we would have, we would have, we would have crucified him faster than they did. 
Think not. This is a golden age. A glorious era. We know more about the gospel. We know more about the kingdom of God. We know more about the Bible today in this lifetime, in this generation, in this season. Yet this is the one generation, the one season that's farthest from the things that pertain to God in terms of its application. We would have crucified Him faster than they did back then. And yet, He shall be great. He performed these miracles and they served their purpose. He drew the masses to Him. He was proclaiming a word they've never heard before. He was revealing a mystery that they were not acquainted with. They, they knew it theoretically in the Scriptures because the Pharisees, they knew about this thing. But what they, were, they were comparing this in what the Bible had to say and this man. Well, no. Just cannot be. Just cannot be. Away with Him. Crucify Him is what they declared. Crucify Him. And yet, in no way, shape, or form, in no uncertain terms, Jesus Christ did, in fact, prove to the world then. As is the case with proving it to you and I here today, that He is indeed the Son of the living God. That He is indeed, according to Paul in Timothy's letter, the manifested God of heaven and earth. Because that's who Jesus Christ was. Point number three. Look at verse 32, the middle portion. 32b, if you will. The, the point is Son of the Most High. I like this. He was the Son of the Most High. And the verse reads, will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary was a faithful Jewish woman. And she understood the language that the angel Gabriel was using, using um, with her when, when the angel Gabriel revealed himself to her concerning her role in ushering in God himself. She understood what she was being told. And that it had everything to do with the privilege and the honor as a woman to usher in God Himself. And she marveled at these words. I mean, extraordinary opportunity given to her by God. But let's make the connection. Let's make the connection between the God of the Old Testament as we know it with the God of the New Testament. One and the same. Because throughout the Bible, God is called the Most High God. In this passage, it reads, Son of the Most High God. But watch how we bring this together. In the Hebrew, the Hebrew word is Elion, which means Most High. The Hebrew words El Elion or Elohim Elion equal or mean the Most High. High God. Here in this New Testament passage, the Son of the Most High God in this text is equivalent in the original language. It is the equivalent with those words associated with the God of the Old Testament. And it is a natural alternative name for Jesus or Yeshua. Son of the Most High God in the original language. 
is an accurate reference to the one and only true God. It is amazing. Consider it in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's a prophetic reference to Jesus Christ in the coming years. Isaiah was declaring these words about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That God Himself would be manifesting Himself. For what purpose? For the purpose of dying on the cross for our sins. So that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Consider Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You can't tell me the publicans or the Pharisees or the priests did not know about that one particular passage. It cannot be said that they did not consider the facts, the backstory concerning Jesus Christ, and were not given the opportunity by God Himself to make the connection between Jesus and the fulfillment of Scripture. In no uncertain terms, they knew. The reality is they were religious and just simply religious. That's it. And that's significant. Because when Christ is not in us, we cannot understand, much less appreciate the things that pertain to God. It just doesn't happen. Before I came to Christ, I heard about the Lord all my life. I came to Jesus Christ at the age of 17 in a prison cell in 1989. Prior to that, I have heard about Jesus Christ many, many, many times. My mom often took us to church. She wasn't living it out. It wasn't a perfect example for me to see. There was no appreciation there. No value there. But when I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in the prison cell, forget it. I came alive on the inside. Can you imagine? 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about our failure or inability to understand the Word of God or the things that pertain to God if we don't have a spiritual mind. These priests, these Pharisees, these religious folk, they missed Him. John 1, God Himself, the Creator of mankind, the Creator of the universe, He unfolded Himself before them and they missed Him. They missed Him. As if they had blinders. And indeed, they did. Jesus Christ. The one we worship today. The Son of the living God. These are truths that should enhance our perspective about Him. Especially during this season. So that when we come into the house of God. We have this greater affinity for, this, this greater connection with, devotion to God Himself when we come into the house of God. This is God's house. And I understand this is the temple of the living God. This is the temple of the living God. I don't have to step 
another day in church in order to make it into heaven. But the Bible does in fact encourage us to come together like this. Hebrews 10.25 and a number of other passages. We are encouraged to come together like this. But when we do so, what is our focus? What is our intention when we come into the house of God? Point number four, concerning Jesus Christ. Throne, look at verse 32, the latter part of verse 32 and all of verse 33 in your text. Luke chapter 1, 32 and 33. It says, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob or Israel, and all of his kingdom, there will be no end. We're talking about Jesus here. What a declaration that was. It's not trivial. It is not insignificant. It speaks of the kingship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And of the restoration of... Of the throne in Jerusalem. Which is going to happen very soon. It's going to happen very soon. I don't know about you, but I got my eyes. I'm, I'm vigilant. I'm alert. I'm waiting for. Even so, Lord, come quickly. That's my heart's prayer. And I have to be brief here because my time is almost out. But the ancient kingdom was overturned in the Old Testament. I'm sure you guys are aware of that. The ancient kingdom was overturned... But the prophecy goes that one day Jesus, being a direct descendant of King David, he will establish it again. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Jesus' headquarters is going to be right there in Jerusalem. And guess what? I'm going to be right there with him. I'm going to be right there with him. How about you? Zechariah chapter 2 10 through 13. Write that down. This is a good verse. Zechariah 2, 10 through 13 reads, it says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And the Lord will inherit Judah, inherit Judah and his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. It's going to come a time very soon when God is going to, he's going to stand up from his throne, if you will, and he's going to reestablish the throne in Jerusalem. Because that's what the prophecy talks about. And, and yet these are particulars, these points that I mentioned, that had to do with Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus. He shall be great. Son of the Most High God. And He will restore the kingdom in Jerusalem. He did extraordinary things. How many of you would agree with me this morning? That a perspective like this should actually serve to enhance our world view of Jesus during this season. He wasn't just an ordinary fellow. He wasn't an insignificant player 
in the scheme of all things, in terms of God's purpose for our lives. Joel, you ready? He was and is the Son of the living God. I want to ask you here this morning, do you know Him? Do you know Him this morning? It's a valid question because it is possible for you, to, for you and I to come to church day in and day out and not to necessarily grasp the value of this thing and to actually miss Jesus Christ in the way that so many people missed Him over 2,000 years ago. They missed Him. Think in terms of that. Listen to me. Think in terms of what was transpiring in the lives of these people. An angel visits a virgin and declares to her, you are going to give birth to the Son of the living God. Because this is the season. Because He has come to redeem mankind. He is going to fulfill ancient prophecies concerning the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth. Here on earth. God with us, Emmanuel, manifesting Himself before us, affording us the opportunity to, the opportunity to know Him in a personal and intimate way. This is not about religion. We're talking about true worship. God is looking for worshipers this morning. How many worshipers here this morning? God is looking for worshipers. Listen, I, I said it before. You don't have to be perfect to be a true worshiper. You just have to know Him. How many know Him this morning? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Go like this, like this, like this. Like, like in, with a little enthusiasm. Like you mean it. Listen, forget about the roast in the oven. Forget about the football game. Forget about it. The Rams are going to lose to my Eagles. Oh, wait, oh, oh, wait a minute. I, I, that's, not in, that's not in there. That's not in there. But God declared it. God declared I felt that. I, I felt it. She said, no, that's not of God. That's not of God. You're no prophet. Think about Jesus. Don't miss Him. Listen. listen. It's 2,000 years ago. John chapter 1. Jesus is, has revealed Himself. He's walking up and down in the streets. He came to set the captives free. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me. For He has, and for He has. And Jesus Christ is, is He's ready. He's, he's got a heart filled with compassion. He wants to rescue lost humanity. Lost humanity. He wants to rescue us. And they missed Him. They missed Him. They missed Him. They missed Him. Why? Because they were religious at best. That's it. They were religious at best. What becomes of you and I when we come to church and perhaps just merely go through the motions? What becomes of us during this season if we miss Him? If we miss Him? Listen, throw away the ornaments and the trees and the wreaths. Discard it all. Get rid of it. It's meaningless without the Christ child. It's meaningless without Jesus the Christ. 
It's empty. It's futile. It's an exercise in religion that's empty. And it does nothing for our eternal value. Nothing whatsoever. Jesus has to be at the center of it all. And guess what? Not just during this season. Not just during this season. Every single day. Allow this to serve as a means by which your worldview, your perspective about Jesus is enhanced. Make a difference in somebody's life. The challenge that last week applies to this week. Make a difference in somebody's life. Next Sunday, we have a special service. My words are going to be few because the program is going to be wonderful, right? But bring somebody to hear, to experience. Everybody's vulnerable during this season. Everybody wants to come to church. It's a religious requirement to come to church during this season. So take that, exploit that. Listen, by all means necessary, get them in here. Talk to somebody about Jesus. I mean, I was a devil and a half. Come Christmas time, I'm going to church. And I went to church. There was nothing here. I had no appreciation. There was no intimacy. There was no purpose. None whatsoever. But as seed was deposited nonetheless. A seed was deposited nonetheless. Somebody watered it, and eventually it bloomed. Unfortunately for me, it happened in, the, in college. The, the Penal Institute for Higher Learning. Let us worship. Stand with me. And then I come back and close with prayer.
Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for this celebration here this morning. It's a celebration. We are honoring you, Heavenly Father. We are honoring you. We are loving on you. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you so much for the birth of this special child during this season. Thank you so much for the purpose, for the intention. Thank you for the significance. Thank you for all the wonderful things you did trying to get the attention of mankind back then. And how you do the same today in our lives, seeking our undivided attention. Because you are looking for true worshipers. The Bible says that God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we thank you, Lord God, for this. We thank you for making it possible. This life substance on the inside of us. This unction, this reality, this existence. It's not about religion. This wonderful, intimate relationship we are able to have with you. Because of this special child. And Father, there may be somebody here this morning who doesn't know you personally and needs this opportunity to come to Christ. If there's anybody here this morning, we just got, I'm just going to take a minute or two of your time. If there's anybody here this morning who doesn't know Jesus Christ, saints, I pray that you pray during this moment, during this time. There's anybody here this morning who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. You're not saved. You don't know where you're going to go. If you die right now, you don't know where you're going. This is an opportunity for you to come to Jesus. Nobody looking around. With a show of hands. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus today, just slip your hand up. There's nobody looking. You want to know Jesus. Somebody invited you to come. And God has impressed it upon you right here, right now. As a result of your experience with us this morning, you want to know this Jesus we talked about. Anybody with a show of hands? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you so much for the fact that Very well possible. We all know you here this morning. Thank you for that. We pray your blessings on our eyes, Lord God, as we go. Be with us, Lord God, as we continue with our fellowship with one another and our relationships with one another, Lord God, with our family members that are not here this morning. Uh, Help us, Lord God, encourage us. Give us the, the wherewithal, Father, to extend this wonderful liberty that we enjoy in Christ to those who do not know you, those who are in our lives but do not know you. Father, we thank you so much for this service. Until we meet again next Sunday, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.